Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. Let's quickly take our declaration of understanding. And we'll continue to study today on prayer. Um, after we do that, we'll take our seats. One to let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Alright, let's open our Bibles um, today. We are continuing our study on prayer basics. And last time I began to speak about what I call prayer-like activities and aids to prayer. And I remember I emphasized for us again that if you are praying, you are talking to the Father, you're talking to God. You are making requests. You are addressing your petitions or your appreciation or commitment to Him. That is what prayer is. And we emphasize that there are many other things we do which are right and necessary, which are important for our spiritual walk that do not, strictly speaking, if you define it properly, do not constitute prayer. But we often get confused because we have done a lot of that. We think we have prayed. And it's important for us to define prayer properly so that people will spend enough time praying because what we're commanded to do is to pray. Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart, not to get tired of praying. Now, please, I want to emphasize again, the things I'm talking about, they are very important. Let me give you a very good example again. Meditation on the Word of God. Meditating on God's Word. It's very important. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, so that you'll be able to observe to do all the things that are written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. So meditation is very important. We are commanded to do it. He said in um, Psalm 1, Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He said, but, I jumped a few lines now. He said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. So these are very important things. However, meditation on the word of God is not prayer. I hope you're getting my point. As important as it is, it is not prayer. But you must do it. And I'm going to talk about that as we go on. You must do it. Okay? It's just that we need to get it clear. Because like I said last time, sometimes when we omit to pray, we get disappointed because we spent a lot of time meditating. We spent a lot of time prophesying, but we don't get the results that we were, you know, hoping for in prayer. One of the major mistakes we made, I said it last time, just repeating it again, is that after a while, we turn ourselves to God. Yeah, we did. It's part of our teaching. It's unconscious. We turned ourselves to God. Even in our doctrine. Now, we, we, we give some scriptures to say some things which are correct. That the scripture is correct. 
the words in themselves may be okay, but at the end of the day, we decided we are God. So we do what we want, we command what we desire, and we expect it to come to pass. I hope you're getting my point. It's only want to decide when it will rain, when it will not rain. And we think it's spiritual authority. Sometimes we began to try to flex muscles where we did not have them. So for that reason, many times God just simply disappointed us. He said, because you see, if I let you continue like this, you're going to get a wrong impression of what life is about. No matter how anointed you are, you are not God. Did you hear what I said? You don't seem convinced. <laughs> no matter how much understanding you have, you are not God. I hope you're getting my point. You don't decide what happens and what doesn't happen. You don't. You know, Jesus used to kneel down and pray. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He will ask the Father, look at raising Lazarus. He didn't just decide that Lazarus cannot die. I hope you're aware of that. Are you aware of that? When he got to the tomb of Lazarus, what did he do? He said, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. So to raise Lazarus, he had to ask the father. It was the father's good pleasure that Lazarus was raised. That was why he stood before the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. We know clearly that that was what the father wanted. Why did the father want it? Well, because Jesus persuaded him, whatever it is, but he had to go to the father to raise Lazarus up. Please, I hope you are getting my point. It's important. That's why he got to the tomb. Because many times we just got there. If, if the Bible just told us he got to the tomb of Lazarus and just said, Lazarus, comfort. We think that's how we're supposed to do it. No, he got there and gave us a small lecture. Of course, it's an in- indirect lecture. He was talking to the father and we overheard what he was saying. And he said, Father, I thank you because you have heard me. And indeed, you hear me always. I'm just saying it loud so that this one's here, we believe. Before he left Bethany, he had had a discussion with the father. No, no, sorry. Bethany was the house of Lazarus, right? Before he left where he was ministering. Where was that? Somewhere. Some distance away. <laughs> he already knew. I believe that he had a discussion with the father. I'm busy. My friend Lazarus is sick. Keep him. Simple prayer. And he got there said, Father, I thank you because you have heard me. And then he uttered a commandment. And Lazarus came forth. And that's why prayer is so important. Many of us would just want to go there. And Lazarus, we see, we kick him. And command him. And then we are disappointed because Lazarus have not been answering us. Most Lazarus have remained dead and have been buried. And Jesus visited us after four days. So by the fifth day, we gave up. And we should. I hope you're getting my point. The story, one man told the story. So, Kai, some things to a very ridiculous extent. He lent faith. Then his dog, no, he mistakenly shot his dog. It's America, all right? Things like that happen. So the dog died. So he called the, the ministry line that his dog is dead. What is he supposed to do? <laughs> I'm laughing because of how it finally ended. That person gave him formulas to use. Yes. How to pray, how to begin to declare. So he did that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. You will see why I'm laughing in a moment. 
He did that for some days. So after if for two days, he said, I've done everything you've said. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. He said, I've done everything you've said. The dog is still dead. <laughs> the girl, the life said, <laughs> I think you better bet. <laughs> so he doesn't have laughing. The best is that you better bury the dog. <laughs> so that's why I was laughing. The fellow said, I think you had better bury that dog, man. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now we've begun to think that we had the, you know, the power with us to do anything we wanted. No. Father didn't <laughs> remove that power from himself. What Jesus told us was there anything we asked the Father. We still have to ask the Father in His name. The Father will hear us. I hope you're getting my point. I have learned the promises of God are used to, let me use the word, ask. Yes, let me just use that word. They are used to ask the Father to do things for us. That is, we ask based on what He has promised. I hope you're getting my point. We drag His promises to Him and say, Lord, this is, this was what you said. Let me just quickly read that for us again. In fact, my Bible just happened to be open in that um, area. What do we do with the promises of God? He said in Ezekiel chapter, okay, let's just move to Ezekiel chapter 36. Good enough, my Bible was open to 37. I went to start reading from 37. I didn't even realize I would be reading from 36. In 37, it says, Thus says the Lord God. That's Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 37. He said, Thus says the Lord God. This also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. I will increase their men like a flock. Now, please, I will stop reading this so as to save time. But bear it in mind, if you read several chapters before this, he kept on telling, saying things that he was going to do. I will do this, I will do that, I will do this, I will do that. He says, it's not for your sake that I'm going to act, O house of Israel. I'm about to act for my holy name. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. He said, I will take you from the nations, gather you from the, all the lands, and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle you, he said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. Moreover, I will give, a new, give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And he said all of those things. Now, I'm just in chapter 36. But if you go to the previous chapters, this is how those things were, the promises were in abundant. He said, but you, O mountains of Israel, will put forth your branches and bear your fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you will be cultivated and sown. I will multiply men on you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities will be inhabited. And the waste places will be rebuilt. I will multiply on you, man and beast, and they will increase and be fruitful. And I'm just reading some of them. So he kept on speaking like this, and he ended with something. He said, Thus says the Lord God, This also, this also, that's verse 37 of chapter 36, I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. I will increase their men like a flock. Now, the one that I read this, it just hit me that what he was saying all the while, when he thinks that he's going to allow them, ask him to do for them. I hope you're getting my point. So those promises were given that at a set time, you will bring these promises to me, 
and you ask me to fulfill them. I hope you're getting my point. These promises were given, and then at the set time, you will bring the promises to me in prayer and ask me to fulfill them. It's the reason why he said this also. This is an addition to everything I've said. So we know that God gives us his promises so that we can ask him to fulfill those promises for us. They are the things we, you know, we bring like pray, our right to pray. Let me put it like that. That why are you asking for this? You say you would do it. One thing about God is that you can never be ingenious with him. You don't give him ideas. It's not possible. He knows everything. He has thought of everything ahead of time. I hope you're getting my point. So you have to learn to cooperate with what he is doing. You have to learn to cooperate with what he planned ahead of time. All right? So those are the things you bring to him. So that's what prayer is. I'm just reminding us again. However, now let, let, let's now read this. We'll talk about aids to prayer. So what are the other spiritual things which are good, like I said, they are important. I am not downplaying them. I'm just emphasizing so that we do not replace prayer with them. And we think we are praying when indeed we are not praying. That's what I'm saying. What are those things? The number of them. Okay. Last time I talked about agreement. We're from Matthew chapter 18. Like I said, I will try my best not to spend too much time talking about that again. But let me just remind us that once something concerns more than one person, agreement is important. I hope you're getting my point. The best example is... In a home, if mother and the father, a couple, should be in agreement on everything they want to pray about concerning that house. They are praying about children. They are praying about everything. They should be in agreement. Don't sneak behind to do things, except you are sure you don't want the power of God involved. I've seen wives say, I won't tell my husband, so he will not refuse. No problem. But also, there will be no blessing. Do you get my point? There will be no agreement, prayer. And but once you say that, I will not answer, he will not refuse. So it will not be that I disobeyed. See, you know, I said there's 30 fold. Remember 30 fold? There is 60 fold. And there's what? 100 fold. Many of us are content with 30 fold results. Many of those who say, I don't want to tell. It's so that you will not get 60 fold. It's so that you will not get 100 fold. And then when you get, you get your result at the 30 fold level, you are happy that I'm okay. All right? There are many things, you know, that we do. We go by laws that, look, okay, there's no law that says we shouldn't. No, not the way we like to tell lies. You ask somebody, where are you? Instead of saying that, I've not left home. I'm not coming. I'm not, I'm not my way. They say, look, are you in the office? I'm not in the office yet. As if I'm just at the gate. The guy never bowed for. <laughs> the fellow has not had a bath. He's still there, you know, in, in, in Nika, holding the, you know, the compound. You know, it looks like as if in five minutes I'll be with you. Where are you? I'm not in Enugu. You are in America. You are answering. <laughs> don't make it look like you're never clicking. Now, why do we do some of those things? We say we don't want to. Like some people, hey, you know the one I heard that shocked me? When you get to office, you're supposed to sign. When you're supposed to sign, be there by before 8 o'clock. Some people get there by 8.05. They will not write 7.65. Yes. We all know that once you read 7.59, the next time is what? 8. But they can't write it, so they, and they don't want to lie. Do not write 765. Yeah, some people are confused. What is 65? No, it doesn't exist on any clock. Just don't want to write that 8. Because once you write 8, you are late. So write 765. I didn't lie now. Don't worry. God knows the intention of the heart. That's all he's judging. That's an aside. All right? 
So when we do some of these things, what we are doing is that we are denying ourselves a hundredfold blessing. That's what I'm going to emphasize. We are denying ourselves what? The hundredfold blessing. Remember, I was talking about a couple. So he said, let me not tell my husband so that he will not refuse. Once you think like that, you, that thing won't get 80-fold. If you get 10-fold, I don't, 10-fold, Apostle, how many fold you could get? 1.5? Can't get 10-fold. If it is something, all right, a home matter like that, try and get into agreement. Because without agreement, if there's variance in the home, the prayer will be hindered. The prayer will be hindered. So what should you do? Labor. You know, there's something called labor to enter into the rest. Yes, so what you do is that you labor to achieve that agreement. Agreement is so important. What can we agree concerning? Lay everything bare. Any area you can't agree, leave it aside for now. I hope you're getting my point. That's how it is. No, there's a story I tell once in a while about that. Um, one preacher I read his book. And I, I, get, I got his messages. He said he, they, they, they found out that he had um, uh, cancer on his back. He's a white man. Right? If you know what the melanoma is. White people don't like it. It's very common with them. Skin cancer. So, he and his wife wanted to pray. Of course, he felt it was a death sentence. So, his wife said, so he, he told his wife that, his wife said, let us pray. Let's ask God. He said to his wife, simply, my faith is too weak. I can't. His wife asked, what can you believe? He said, well, I guess I can believe that we'll go to, our, to because they were referred to MD Anderson Cancer Center, that I believe that when we get there, I can, I can believe that the doctor there will say it's not as bad as this other doctor said. So the wife said, no problem. So they joined their hands and asked God simply, that Lord, when we get there, please let the other doctor say this disease is not as bad as this other doctor said. In Jesus' name, amen. They got there. The doctor looked at the referral note, asked them to send the, well, the tissue that was taken with which the diagnosis was made for his own pathologist there to review. So when they looked at it, they got the report. Well, there's a new class of melanoma we just found. Is this one that can be treated with simple surgery and a little bit of this and that? I don't, and that's the type you have. Simply, it's not as bad as the other doctor said. They gave him surgery, treated him the way they said, and he was totally cured. He was writing this story years and years and years later. They walked now. What I'm talking about is that, or what I'm talking about is that they walked the agreement. That is, they discussed so that they could come to a place of agreement. Now, let me digress more and talk about submission. There's a reason why God put the word submission in there. See, let me, it is not submission. Listen to me. Let me tell you what is not submission. There is obedience. I hope you know obedience is not the same thing as submission. Obedience is not submission. Obedience is an act, which is good. It can even be a disposition of the heart, but it's not submission. Obedience is to do what you are told. Submission is to open your heart to learn from somebody who have accepted is superior to you. Do you hear what I say? There's a lot of difference between obedience and submission. Obedience is that you are the boss. Anything you say goes now. What can we do? You know, many women think marriage is about obedience. So that's why they grumble every day from the beginning to the end. That's when women liberation was started. Because the women are in bondage. 
They need to be liberated. We must have liberation. We must have liberation. Why? According to, sorry, I like to just when I'm preaching. I hope you don't mind. And we'll get to this real preaching as we go on, okay? <laughs> um, I don't know whether you know Jordan Peterson. So they said, it's a men's world. There's a patriarchy. One big English speak as if everything is killed in favor of the men. So the women must arise and they want to neutralize it. They now said there must be equal opportunity for everybody. So one particular company, I think in Iceland somewhere, they were doing badly, so they got a new management. So the management said there's going to be equal opportunity. So every, anything they had, they made sure there was half men, half women. Their engineers were half men, half women. So in General Peters, he said, that's nonsense. He said, you can do that on a small scale. You can never do it on a large scale. He said, why? He said, because women don't like being engineers. If you go to the pool of engineers, there are ten times more engineers amongst men than there are women. And that is not, it's not, it just is a choice. One woman wrote, he said, look, don't force us to be neurosurgeons. We don't like it. He said, doctor, American doctor. He wrote, she wrote an article. He said, why do I want to be a neurosurgeon? Why should I work morning, afternoon, and night? He said, I want to go home on time, close on time. He said, men are women. He said, no, no, we're not equal. He said, when there's trouble in the house, let my husband go and check while I stay inside the room. He said, we hear crew crew outside. I tell my husband, hey, hey, there's noise outside. And my husband takes the gun, goes there to check. Say, I'm not coming out. <laughs> the woman said, why on earth do I want equality? Say, I don't like it. Say, if we go out, there's heavy load to carry. I carry my bag. The husband carries the heavy load. That's why the husband. This equality, I don't want it at all. Do you know, they've taken to an extent in this world now that they say, if you and the woman go out to eat, to offer to pay is an insult to her. Ah, yes, is that bad? So you are not allowed to tell the woman I'll take the bid. You are telling me I can't pay. What kind of insult is that? You are looking down on me. The woman said, please pay. I like it like that. I saw the article. I so enjoyed the article. It's somewhere on my phone because one guy was on that sent by WhatsApp. I really found it interesting. Jordan Peterson explained that. The father made it very famous. He said, this thing is all nonsense. He said, it's a man's world. He said, how is it a man's world? He said, women, he said, men hold most of the management jobs. He said, men hold most of the prison places. No, that's his own argument. He said, most of the managers are men. He said, most of the prisoners are also men. He said, men are the ones that are richest, generally speaking. He said, men are the ones that die in wars, generally speaking. They give him one point, even on that point. He said, most people that commit suicide are men. Most people that get shot are men. Said prisons is 70 something percent males. He says the world is terrible to men. Men have suffered. <laughs> yeah, that is an argument. And we know generally women live longer than men. And it doesn't have, not because of their violent lifestyle, even as babies. More male babies die than female babies. Life is hard. So from the time you are born, <laughs> I'm telling you, the life is just rough, man. I mean, did, did, did you hear Pharaoh say kill all the female babies? <laughs> Pharaoh said, I mean, go and kill all the boys. Life has been hard for men for a long time. Herod came, give out, kill all the boys. When they bring out the baby, say, wait, wait, I'm a girl. You can't be the Messiah, leave you. Come on. <laughs> so, Jedobedes said, look, that it is wrong for you to say it's a man's world. 
And I think they, they said the, the retaliation against the patriarchy. The one big English they say. The man said, no, 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 not Mr. Zogin. There's this patriarchy, something they talk about, that they're now retaliating against, that it's going to backfire eventually. That men are now afraid to be men. Yeah, no, in the Western world, men are now afraid to be men because it's taken as an insult against women. So many Jesus, let me preach my message. But I see some things there. I think about submission, that's what I'm talking about. A lot of people cannot be submissive because deep inside their hearts, they believe it. They believe it. Deep inside. When I marry, I lose my freedom. Let me tell you, anybody that likes freedom is not planning to go far in life. If you like freedom, you don't like to go far. You, do, you, do not, you think you do. You know, see young people say, hey, I'm just waiting for when I'll go to university, I'll now be free. You will fail. They will deport you back to your father's house. When you are leaving your father's house, you'll be feeling bad. <laughs> Mommy, I miss you. Daddy, I will miss you. Yes, I'm serious. If you have to act it, act it. What are, what, it's not that you want to come back home at 8 p.m. That is when the people get shot. Restriction is a blessing. Life must have boundaries. Boundaries bless you. Boundaries were set in place so that you will be, you know, you will be kept from danger. If you read the book by Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness, the woman, one woman there, she was into witchcraft and all of that, then she, she by, under the influence of a spirit, she, mistake, she accidentally killed her child and all of that, and then she went to prison. When she was trying to, you know, when she was coming back to her senses, she said one thing she did not want was boundaries. So she said, don't give me any boundaries. So she went into the open, of course, figuratively speaking now. And then when she got there, she found there was no end to her freedom. Then she started asking, please, where are the boundaries? Because when there's no end to freedom, you will hate life. Piers Morgan, I watched him a few years ago. If you've heard me teach over the last few years, I've quoted this particular thing a few times. He was interviewing Joel Austin. Austin. And, you know, he, he boxed Joel Austin into a corner, he thought. Yeah, how did you meet your wife? And he talked about this. Okay, you got married to her. Why? I fell in love with her and all of that and all of that and all of that. Which, by the way, really doesn't mean too much, but let's just leave that, all right? This falling in love, if you fall in love, please try and get up, clean your eyes, and check where you are. Right? Anything you fall into is a bad thing, okay? Good. I'll just leave that. We'll talk about that further later, okay? But he met his wife and fell in love and all of that. Now, he was trying to corner Joel. He said, what if it was a man you fell in love with? So Joel was like, oh, I have fallen in love with a man for what? Am I crazy or something? <laughs> He did the same thing later that I saw to this other man too. If I think that was the person that even used that particular catch from um, purpose-driven life, requiring. Yeah, the same Piers Morgan. He asked, he said, look, what do you think of homosexuality? The man said, no, I don't think it's right. He said, who are you to judge? He asked Joel Austin. Joel Austin said, well, you know, I don't know if the Bible says it's wrong. It's got to be wrong. God said it is wrong. That's all I know. I said, good, God bless you, sir. God bless you. But that's not the gist. The gist is that, you see, P.S. Morgan was there trying to say that, look, don't criticize people. If I said that, people would say that. that what he doesn't like, he was talking to Rick Warren. That was another interview. What he doesn't like, people would call it abomination and stuff. That he has a lot of friends, good people who are homosexuals and all of that. Well, fine. Now, you know I'm talking about this whole story. The, today's P.S. Morgan, 
What I'm telling you now is years ago. No, he didn't really change. Israel, he didn't change. What happened to him is that he is now seeing the extent that that thing has gotten to, and he can't believe it. Now, today's P.S. Morgan is fighting these LGBT extremes. He said, I can't understand that. Have we gone crazy? I felt like telling him, he said, sir, no, you didn't go crazy. It's, you know, you opened the door. And you were amongst those who opened the door. It has not reached a particular extent you are now provoking. You are now getting angry. One day he asked, or somebody, I think he's the one. They asked Rishi Sunak, the current British Prime Minister, what is a woman? Yeah, he asked Rishi Sunak, what is a woman? And Rishi Sunak said, a woman is a human adult female. And do you know, you know what Piers Morgan did? He shouted, hallelujah. He said, hallelujah. Finally, I can get a British politician to agree that a woman is an adult human female. None of them before then will agree to say it. What is a woman? You know, it depends on how you see it. Woman is different things to different people. So much that Matt Walsh did the uh, the stuff, uh, the documentary on what is a woman. And the best film review companies in the uh, uh, agents in the world refused to review it. Yet, it's about right now one of the highest streamed videos in the world. But nobody's reviewing it. Just ask them what is a woman. I'm talking about freedom. P.S. Morgan now he's upset. Because now in the, in the, in the NHS, you know what's NHS? The British health system. They don't say breastfeeding anymore. They've removed the word breastfeeding. It's now chest feeding. Yeah. Because if you say breastfeeding, you will insult some people. They don't say women anymore. They say birthing partners. Yeah, you know, husband and wife come. Somebody go bond the picking. Last time I checked, my wife was the one doing the burning. So she's a birthing partner. They can't say, yeah, and she just fed all my children. Now, I heard these things from Piers Morgan. He's so upset that we, we said, look, BBC did a, document, a teaching video to educate children. And they told children there are over 100 genders. Done by BBC. You saw it. BBC was the one that did it. One of them is astrogender, if you feel like the stars. And it's been taught to children that you don't know what you are. As you grow up, you now find out that you are a man or you are astro or fluid. That's not some people this morning, they, are men, they feel like men, even they feel like women, they are gender fluid. Some, they cannot be defined by their gender, so they are, they are agender. Now, they don't call you, you are no longer normal, you are not a category. You are called cisgender. That if you are called a girl at birth and you are still a woman at the age of 30, you are cisgender. You are not normal. You are just one of them. I told my people, I said, whoever sees raising a child in the UK is better than in Nigeria. I think you are crazy. Yeah, I think you are crazy. I think you are some, you're out of your mind. I'm sorry, that's what I think. I'm not saying being in Nigeria is good. I'm just saying that you are in another hell. My own hell is for subsidy. Everybody gets in your own hell fire. I've gotten into that. I don't like, you know, once I leave my message like this. No, it was submission I was talking about, right? 
That's why I got into this jungle. Why I talked about that, I, wanted, I felt like telling P.S. Morgan, Oga, when this door opened, this was where it was going. Now, it has reached where it was going. Oh, no, it has not even reached, it's on the way. Now, the man can't understand it. He's protesting against mutilation of children just because a child is a tomboy. They say, no, you're actually a, girl, a boy in girl's body. And if you're not, in fact, there's a clinic in UK, there was a scandal. They had mutilated many children. Before the investigator, and found many of those children had other problems. Some of them had mental illnesses. Some of them were depressed. Yet you have cut off parts of their body you can't put back. Children. Let's get back. So the world said that women need to be liberated. And of course, it gets into all kinds of nonsense. People don't realize it. They don't open rubbish doors. They don't know where it's going. Let's talk about the word of God. All right? Women don't need liberation. They have never been in bondage. If you read your Bible well, the commandment of God is that the man should be ready to die for his wife. That's not, the, that's not bondage. That's not what he said. He told the woman, submit to your husband, right? He told the man, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You think that is bondage? That is not bondage. That's a blessing. That is a blessing. That is a blessing. What is submission? Is to say, listen, sometimes our opinions will clash. They will contradict each other. But listen to what I want to say carefully. As a person of faith. But I understand that God is good to me. There cannot be two captains in one boat. Even Jesus, go and read what Paul said, we submit everything to God the Father. So, because God is good to me, he has given me, given me a prophet in my house. So, I would look at my husband and say, you are the prophet. What do you say? And when he gives a word, I labor. The Bible says, trust in the Lord thy God, so you will be established. What did he say next line? Believe also his prophets, so you will prosper. That is, I make up my mind and say, no, the prophet has spoken. That is what submission is. Submission is not, uh, you know, you are, the, you are the boss now. Anything you say, and that's you not know, this grumbling, this, I'm being punished. I will not be allowed to speak. My opinion is not important. No. Submission is that God's anointing is upon you. You will say that which will bless me. Now, some people are not saying, what if, say, what if it's called unbelief? It's called doubt. And you have exercised yourself in doubt for years until now you have no opportunity for faith anymore. One of the things you must learn is to activate. Now, please, let me talk to young women especially. If you are getting married, hmm? first, if you are not married, don't marry anybody that does not love the word of God. Please, I'm begging you. It is better to be single and to marry one who does not love God. I hope you are getting my point. Now, Bego, what did I say? Any love that wants you to do otherwise is of the devil. No, the devil can stimulate you into loving things you're not supposed to love. No matter the amount of butterfly that's crawling from your right eye to your left toe, <laughs> I'm going to your brain all over your body. 
Once you see, say, this man not love God. Ah, but pastor, falling, that's why it's called falling. You will now go and pray for God to give you strength to get up. There are scriptures you will just call, let you to pray and confess. Telling you, that's number one. All right? Number two, you have a job to do to activate the prophetic unction upon your husband. You must. Because gifts can lie dormant. Hey, I don't start teaching on marriage now. Gifts can lie dormant. The unction upon your husband is for your good. Do you get my point? If you don't respect it, a prophet that is without honor cannot manifest. Did you hear what I said? The Bible says that Jesus went to his hometown and could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. So what did he say? The Bible said that he said to them, a prophet is not without honor, but when he comes to his own hometown, because of that lack of honor, he could not do any mighty work there. So even though I've said the man is anointed, you have to activate the anointing. That's why as a prophet, now prophet, now I don't mean proper prophesy, I mean like one who speaks the word of God. You can go to your house, the anointing does not come upon you. You leave, you come to church, it comes. You go to your office, where you're the boss, the anointing flows. So, madam, I'm begging you, what you do for this man is to activate the grace you do with prayer. You do with physical things you do. You speak words. You say things like, my husband, speak. And I know the word of God is in your mouth. There's a way you will behave. Eh? At night, Holy Spirit, you're possessing by force. Then you say, boy, I don't like you, but I like your wife. I don't know whether you get my point. Holy Spirit will come and say, no, this is not about you. This is about the wife that I gave you. Because he's always activating grace. No matter how much a man prays, no matter how much he loves you, if you don't... And Jesus went to his hometown. Before he came there, he was raising the dead. Before he came there, he was healing all kinds of things. He got to his own hometown. They said, ah, Josh, you're back. Hey, I hear you don't, I say you don't blow in Enugu. You're a big man there now. Eh? Now, wow. Is it true that you actually healed the sick? My goat has been sick for a while. Touch and whether it go well. Just looking at them and smiling. He said, who? Somebody said that Jesus has come to die. He does miracles. He said, who? This is our one. How can the son of Mary be doing miracles? The guy who did the chair. That chair itself, it was not even good. Of course, how can the chair be good? I told you this chair is for children. You adults, overweight adults, you sat on it. It broke. You are now blaming me. The Lord is good. That's what they, that's what they did to him. The Bible said that for that reason, what happened? He cooled. Now, that's what I wanted, to, I wanted to note. He cooled. It wasn't because he was angry. He could not do any mighty work. Because he did not regard him. So the man can be anointed, like I said, if the wife does not regard him. You know, you know sometimes you, you know, some of these guys you marry, you knew that you were in class together, self in school. So you could don't understand. Why should they change just because you say, I do? As a classmate... Or at least you're in the same fellowship. I used to chase him and he'll be running. One day not to marry me, you now agree. Now, you expect life to sorry, let me speak more for marriage. Husband and boyfriend are two different things. They're not they don't even they're not related at all. Your husband is a prophet. It's a priest. It's a king. 
I've told all of you women, stop calling your husband the first name. It's a bad habit. This is not America. The kingdom of God and America are two different places. Where did you say anybody called a king by the first name? Say, David, how are you doing? The only woman who did in the Bible, she get a problem. You don't see a king and be calling by the first name. Josh, are you home? Josh, ain't home. What's wrong with you? It's not home. My Lord, are you home? That's more like it. Sir, are you back? Not that me half Oh, Jesus, if I hear that from your mouth, you don't damn me. She doesn't do that. She says, lie, lie. No, no true daughter of mine does any such thing. Lie, lie. We deny you. Then send it to Okemuti for deliverance. You know, it's my deliverance guy. <laughs> it's why you are calling by the first name. You lose respect for his person. I told the story of... Uh, some people say that, uh, you know, because, you know, all the intimacy and all of that, it brings disrespect. I said, that's why you're a Christian. It should not. Then you grow up in the same house with your parents. Because I call your father, father Jude because of that. <laughs> Told the story of one, I think, uh, I love you for you, one of those uh, obas in the West. And so one wife went married because of uh, intimacy and nakedness. Open mouth. Say, ah, so this is all of you. Now, now you be this. The, the, the king said, what did he say? He said, no, I'm just wondering. Everybody would fear you. I was like, he, he was, she was baiting the man. He said, look at you now. She was feeling powerful. Vashti. King, Queen Vashti. I'm baiting Ahasuerus. I asked Ahasuerus. He said, this is all of you. The king said, what do you mean? He said, because the man was not a big man, physically. He said, they will be, be afraid of you. Ah. So the man collected his towel, tied his towel. He left the bathroom. He called the chief of his bodyguard. He said, go and bring her father's head. And the father was a very powerful man in the town. They went to the man's arrest, killed him, cut his head, put the head on the platter, brought it for him, gave to the to his wife. That's why they fear me. History gave to the his wife. Say, so well, wonder why they fear me. That's the reason. The husband is not going to behead anybody. Trust me. But spiritually, don't cut off the flow. That's what I'm saying. So the discipline of Christianity, that the things that breed contempt, disrespect, it won't happen in your life. Now you have to allow your prophet prophesy. You are the one that should be saying, Papa, prophesy. <laughs> Go to Papa. That is where the anointing should work. <laughs> well, by the way, seriously, you have to activate the, pro- the prophetic in your home. You have to. Is that activation I'm talking about? You have to activate it. You have to. Don't wait for him to prove he's a prophet before you start activating it. But one thing Satan does is that he may show you where he's gotten it wrong. When even Samuel got it wrong. Did he not? We saw the other day now. So surely the Lord's anointed before he was talking about Eliab. If he was on Twitter, those would have tweeted it. I just saw the Lord's anointed. Good one, there was no Twitter. Before he could tweet it for us, he said, that's not him. You are judging a particular way. Prophets can make mistakes, but you still have a duty to activate the prophetic in his life. All right, the Lord is good. So one man said, you know, I was talking about agreement. So one way you get into agreement is by submitting. So if two of you 
cannot seem to agree on something, then somebody must step down. Please, if your husband is always the one stepping down, you have a problem in that house. Seriously. There is a problem. There is a problem that you have to tackle. Actually, you're a difficult person. The guy doesn't like trouble. He knows if he doesn't now, you won't hear the last of it. I hope you're getting my point. Anyway, let's get back to the message. So, the point is this. You must come, whatever you need to do, into agreement. Or somebody just asking, Pastor, but what if you take it to God? I hope you're getting my point. You take it to God. Every matter, take it to the Lord. He will help you. That was what um, Sarah did. Sarah never argued with Abraham about that matter. Yet God came back and told Abraham, hey, hey, hey. See what that thing your wife said is the right thing. You do it. Submission does not mean you are never right. It just means there, are, there can't be two captains in one boat. Have you ever driven a car before when a driver is on the other side, always trying to tell you what to do? A good driver will allow the other driver to drive. Those ladies, one day I was driving my mother, she said, hey, look here, look, after I parked the car, come and take a motor, come and take a motor. Ah, what is it? I was young that time. Ah, look, 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 look. Look at what now? After a while, I parked the motor. Oh yeah, mama, take. Take your motor, I know they drive again. Go drive yourself. Good enough, we'll not saw police, and I didn't have license. I just gave, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just parked, oh yeah, take your motor. So she drove her car from there. Waiting, I almost jumped person. Try not to jump somebody. <laughs> At the point, I remember what she did. She put her hand in the air. Eee! Look, 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 look. I said, looking for the person. <laughs> There's a child crosses. I said, looking for the child. I couldn't concentrate again. Finally, I saw the child like 350,000 kilometers in front. I said, mommy, this one. After I went back a motor, I said, I better come and drive this motor. Because at that point in time, I was a good driver. If you ask me, I think I was better than her. That's pride, I know, but at least that's what I thought. (laughs) The Lord is good. So that's the principle behind submission. In submission, you just allow somebody to drive. And you are not behind grumbling and whining. I hope you're getting my point. You are behind supporting and confessing the word of God if necessary. All right, so that is what... Um, agreement. Like I said, I didn't want to take so much time about that, but I ended up doing that. So, agreement is one thing. Sometimes we talk about prayer of agreement. I've said no. There's no prayer really that's a prayer of agreement. Agreement is an aid to prayer that concerns more than one person. Is that okay? It's very, very important. And when you are agreed like that, the power of God easily flows into your house. The power of God easily flows into your house. All right, let's open our Bible to the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. You are in 36, so you should just move that a little bit. You don't have to open too many pages or just scroll down. 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. That is, I can't see anything. 
you are the one that will know whether these bones will live. Because he says they were very dry. How can you tell me these skeletons will live? Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you. I will make flesh grow back on you. I will cover you with skin and put breath in you, that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. Please, notice verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Let me read that again. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them. Now I'm jumping so as to save time. Verse 9, he said, Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, and they will come to life. Verse 10 again, crucial. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, and Exceedingly great army. One important aid to prayer, an important prayer-like activity is prophesying. It's important. Now, one thing you notice here is that what to say was not human idea. What God results was not human words. He said, I prophesied as I was commanded. That's verse 7. And in verse 10, he said, so I prophesied as he commanded me. He said, who is he that says a thing and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? That is the key to prophesying. The mistake we have made now, prophesying, what is prophesying? It's just to issue forth the word of God into a situation. That's what prophesying is. To declare that which God has spoken over a situation. Now, one thing that I've noticed from scripture or reading through the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, is that there are times, very common, that one will pray, and God will not say, enough praying now. That is, it's in phases. Now you have gotten judgment from God. God has issued forth his word. Now go forth and go and enforce that which God has granted. I hope you're getting my point. And the way by which you do that is through prophesying. I hope you're getting my point. That is, we know what was going on here? Remember, this was immediately after this also. I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. Do you get my point? So now, having asked God, we can just imply that for him to do things. The Lord now put his words upon the mouth of his prophet, Ezekiel. He now said, now go and speak so that I may fulfill that which I have granted to my people. I hope you get my point. I'll give an example. A man like Moses. Moses, of course, they had a lot of dealings with the Lord. They now got to the edge of the waters. They didn't dare to cross the Red Sea. And Moses now turned to the Lord and began to pray. Now, Moses had been praying. Oh. This time around, God said, ah, I thought we had finished praying. He said, why are you still crying out to me? The stage now is for you to go forth, divide this Red Sea. 
How are you going to do it? I gave you a rod. Now, take that word, rod. Now, I taught a series that time called the rod of God. I think it's the rod of God. Yes. So, take that rod and stretch it over the sea. And what was that? He was to take, that rod stood for the word of God. He was to take the word of God now and place it over that sea. So, God was saying, in effect, and like I said, that's why we made some mistakes earlier. We jumped the prayer side and just jumped to the prophesying side. No, it's in phases. The praying is first, but you get to a point in which God says, now I have granted. Now, the fact that God has granted something doesn't mean that there's nothing else to do. In fact, there's one scripture I like. It says, he that, when that Solomon was speaking, he that watches the wind will not sow. He now said, next line, he that observes the clouds will not reap. Something struck me there. There is work to do in the time of seed. There's work to do in the time of harvest. Did you catch that? You go out to sow your seed. Let's take that as a season of praying. Then when is the time for harvest? There's still work to do. What is the work to do now? You start doing what? Prophesying. Many people want to prophesy without sowing the right seeds. Without making the right request to the Lord. Without getting from God words to utter. They just want to utter anything they like. By this time tomorrow, this will happen. If you cannot say, thus says the Lord, don't say that. Did you hear what I said? See, let me, that's a, an important caution. If you cannot say, thus says the Lord, then don't say that. Sometimes we don't read that, you know, put our Bibles properly into context. Just because Elijah said, there will be no dew or rain except by my word. We think he was the one that made that decision. There was a time I believed that. That Elijah was just provoked. He didn't, God didn't even have to talk to him. It's not true. Ah, 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 ah. Elijah was too wise. It's only a prophet that wants to be embarrassed that will be saying things that God did not say first. Because he said, there will be no dew or rain next day. Look. <laughs> the rain will fall. Then they will start looking for you. And they tell you, you're a false prophet. No, if you read the Bible, you, see, you have to learn to put the Bible together and sometimes find things that are not overtly recorded and realize that they actually happened. What am I saying? Elijah heard from God. Because nobody can say a thing and it will come to pass when the Lord has not commanded it. I hope you're getting my point. That's the mistake we make sometimes. That you just start declaring things that God did not say. The only thing that you can declare boldly is what you can say with confidence that thus says the Lord. You say, Pastor Bank, what if I didn't hear God say anything? Then keep quiet. Did you hear what I said? Abraham did not change his name because he was excited. He changed his name because the Lord said so. Your name will no longer be Abraham. Your name will not be Abraham. As for your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. It will not be Sarah. It was the lost decision. To, ah, I, when we talk with learning faith, the problem with a lot of the faith we learned was that the faith started with us and ended with us. We started saying that, ye are gods. Ye are gods. When you speak, God has spoken. It's not true. When God speaks, you are to speak. It's not the other way around. I hope you're getting my point. It's not any time you speak. God has spoken. Hey, 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 bros, don't kill me before my time. 
It's not true. What is supposed to be is that when God has spoken, once he has spoken, twice I've heard it, then I now go out and prophesy. You will hear it said that, son of man, prophesy. This was said to Ezekiel here. John also said the same thing. You must prophesy again in Revelation. That is, they will show him things. Say, see this thing you have said, you have seen, go and prophesy them on the earth. Even Jesus said that, hey, what I see, what I do is what I see my father do. I don't know about you, but I passed through that phase when we were learning. It was almost as if the initiative rested with us. We would just get up and say, no, this will not happen here. And then, of course, usually it happens. And we can't do anything about it. I hope you're getting my point. The initiative never has rested with us. No. But when God has spoken, I hope you're getting my point. When the Lord has spoken, they will not take the words that he spoke and start declaring them with confidence. Will not say, thus says the Lord, like Ezekiel was doing here. He says, he said, look, bones, you are going to live. I prophesied as commanded. What did he say? He said, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to you bones. I will, co- I will cause breath to enter into you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you. Make flesh grow. He was speaking what God said. I know what you are thinking. So, and that, this is where I want to end it actually. And so, how am I supposed to hear what God has said? Now, can I just say something? Now, this is very important, especially because this is where preachers, Christians, they do a lot of things that are not true. God spoke to me, and then God spoke to me. What did God speak to you? Now, now let me just say this to you clearly. Nine times out of ten, I've heard this. Hmm? God didn't speak to anybody. There is this thing about hearing God as, you know, as a Christian, you should be able to hear God. What I want to say is not common with Pentecostals. I'm, I'm a voice of one in the wilderness on this one. Well, there are a few, but I'm the only person I know that says it. One day I was actually speaking. One lady interrupted me. And she doesn't agree with what I'm saying. Oh, yes. And, no, don't worry. It wasn't this kind of situation. <laughs> it was when the table was, we're all kind of colleagues. Yeah. But I was one preaching. And then um, uh, give her some credit. She was just about two years my junior in school. We're all doctors. It was a doctor's fellowship. I was a resident. And um, she felt very spiritual. She felt she knew God. Those would I know how to hear God. I know people like her. Now, what they do is I've been staying with people like that for a long time. So no matter how spiritual you feel, you cannot intimidate this guy. You know why? I've seen people more, more spiritual than you. And I still did not listen to them. Uh, yes. But God gave me grace that day. As she said it, I said, it's okay. Not a problem. Let me finish what I'm saying. <laughs> I shut her down rapidly. What was I saying? Just what I wrote in that book. Guided by the Spirit. Let me summarize it like that. Because see, I think I knew on campus. I think we both actually came from the same university, even though this was not happening in Lagos. All right? One of those very spiritual people that can pray in tongues from morning till night. See, if you can pray in tongues from morning till night, you can't buy money till night. You're a confused human being. Do you get my point? Let me just tell you clearly. Don't be going around feeling spiritual. Especially those of you that can groan. Listen. <laughs> Say, I've been anointed to put your life on balance. Do you get my point? Yes, Let nobody come and terrorize you because he's doing. Say, bros, 
recite for me Psalm 91, beginning to the end. If you cannot do it, but you can grow money till night, you're a confused human being. You see, I'm telling you, go and cram Psalm 91. In fact, instead of groaning, cram the whole of Psalm. What is that long one? 119. That's what I was trying to remember. Go and cram 119. That is discipline. You say, ah, I can do like that for three days. You can't cram 119. You are a lazy human being. If you are really spiritual, cram scriptures. Let me see. Don't be doing the easy one. Come and intimidate the rest of us. Memorize time 91. Memorize, no, I know. I said 91 deliberately. Memorize 27. Try 34. It's not too long. It's powerful. It's long, though. I've also can't do it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I'm telling you. See, young people, you want to be spiritual. I'm giving you the key to spirituality. Stop following people that don't let you use your brain, only using your spirit. Nobody makes this fine life using only his spirit without using his brain. I hope you're getting my point. Because thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. So if your brain, your mind is not occupied with scripture, it's only your spirit telling you cross the road, car will kill you. Do you get my point? See, the first two days you will cross, you will cross successfully. The third day, the voice you are hearing is the devil. Who wants to kill you? After that, say, oh, wait, 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 it's enough. Use your eyes and the mind I gave you to cross the road. Then I will help you when you are not seeing things. The time you are crossing, a truck is coming against the right way. Uh-huh. But no matter crossing, don't get to the junction and say, Kabash, Kalaba, Hekeleba, Shikabala, Hekeleba, Hekebesha. What does it look like? I'm on the other side. This one you are doing here. <laughs> Look left, look right, and look left again. Then you walk briskly, don't run across. Is that not what it is? You want to use special power to cross the road. It's not so. If you really want to be in the spirit, be in the word. Do you hear what I said? If you go and read Ephesians chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3, there are two parallel scriptures. In Colossians, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In Ephesians, he said, be filled with the Spirit. It's the same thing he was saying. What Paul called being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians, in Colossians, he called it, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Please go and read it. Study it in parallel. We did this in series that time here in the School of Bible Exegesis. We went through it. Ephesians and Colossians are parallel to each other. So you want to be truly spiritual. Not no, we'll greet you. If we greet you, say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is true spirituality. Shekanda is speaking to him. He said, it's better you will bless me if you speak one word that I understand than a thousand words in that which I don't understand. Don't come and intimidate us. I say, Apostle and his friends trying to harass us. I will say it again. You may not like it, but trust me, it's the truth. If you can grow from morning till night, you can memorize Psalm 91 and Psalm 34, you are not making any progress. So people come and say, God spoke to them. Let me say this to you again. People say, go and practice how to hear God. I'm telling you, please, don't practice it. Nobody practices it. Look, did you hear one day that uh, Elisha said, let me practice how to hear God? Elisha was plowing. He was in the office working or in the farm, whatever his own. And Elijah came and cast a mantle on him. And he began to follow Elijah up and down. 
Now, by the way, when those people say God spoke to me, they didn't mean a thought came in my mind. They literally used to hear God. Now, listen to me. In such a manner that they were surer they heard God speak than they heard their neighbor speak. This one that the Lord said to me that's in your mind. Please stop saying it. Did you hear what I said? Some of you are looking very guilty. You have intimidated your neighbor for a long Some of you will use it to marry. Don't worry. It's still God because God just showed you mercy. Whichever way she go agree, she go agree. The way that means nothing. I'm sure he tried it. You went and said that the Lord said to me. Oh, you heard it right. You heard your own question. The Lord is good. See, anything that comes into your heart, eh? Like that. Don't come and say, Thus says the Lord to anybody. Please don't. All right? Especially when you could not even distinguish it from your thoughts. Ah, my brother Banker, you said that cannot be God. I didn't say so. I'm just saying, don't come and quote it for us. Don't prophesy it. The best that can be for you is direction. The best that can be for you is a guide. The best such thoughts can be for you is a confirmation of scripture that is clear. It will just take a scripture that's already there and bring it to light for you. Light will just shine on on the scripture. The only time you can say it is the word of God if it's clearly scripture. I hope you're getting my point. Otherwise, before you can say, the Lord said to me, please, let me tell you clearly. It has to be in such a manner that it cannot be doubted by you at all. What do you mean? Number one, the Lord can tell an angel to go and give you a message. Yes, you can have a vision. Or you can literally, there are those who are gifted in that area. God will actually say, they will actually hear. If you listen to Kenahegin a lot and some other prophets, they will say that they turned, like, who's there? Who did discover that they are alone? That was what happened to Samuel. Samuel did not know it was not Eli. I hope you get my point. Please, I'm not saying that's the only way God speaks to people. I'm just saying don't harass yourself or anybody with things that are not that certain. So what should we do then? That's where I was going to all of this talk. Stick with the word of God in your scriptures. Like I said last time, when it comes to prophesying, see the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, that the word of God is alive and active. Sometimes we don't understand what he was saying there. What he meant, or what he means is this. The word of God is not just a set of principles and commandments. Let me tell you what the word of God is. If God says, I will save these people, that's the word of God, right? That word is alive and active. That word will crystallize. Enter into a young woman called Mary. That word will be born as the savior of mankind. I hope you're getting my point. That's the word of God. It's alive. Let me tell you how the word of God is. It means if the word of God says, defend this man, now, that word that goes forth, that says defend this man, we look at the situation. What kind of defense does it need? It needs defend against flood. The word will go, build an embankment around his house. Raise it so high that even the flood of Noah cannot override it. And you never said build an embankment. You never said build an embankment. You never said that. 
Nobody said build an embankment. They just said defend this man. Or the world looked and said, what does he need? Oh, he's going through Sambisa Forest. Not a problem. Surround him with a bulletproof shield on every side. Put a halo around him that even if a bomb explodes, he will be in a capsule of safety. And you never said, give him a bulletproof vest. I hope you're getting my point. When you say to him, defend this man. So what kind of defense does he need? He's falling out of a plane. The world will say, no problem. Converts himself to a parachuter nearby. Floats across, grabs him, and lands him in nicely on a field. And says, are you okay? Say, yes, I'm fine. Thank you. And the world disappears. That's the meaning of the word is alive and active. The word can decode. It can understand. It, can, it knows is a living person. Now, I want to use a particular concept to define the word because of what is going on in our generation. Have you, have you heard of chat, chat GPT? What is that? Summary. AI. What is AI? Thank you. And you know what that means? You say something, it can't, you know, hey, it lies, but, hey, but. <laughs> one lawyer in America used chat GPT to write a brief and he submitted it in court. And the judge looked at it and all the cases quoted were fake. The case did not happen. Charge did not know the one that's drama and which one's real. Like, arrange them that the guy's in trouble now. All right, that really happened about two weeks ago. All right. Anyway, so but you know what AI is. Now that will help you understand what I'm about to say. The word of God is divine intelligence. It's DI. It's divine intelligence. It knows everything to put together to solve every situation. And that is why. Christians don't need more than the word of God. When you want to prophesy, that's all you need to prophesy. You can never get it wrong. You can never get it wrong. So this is what I'm saying. Prayer-like activity that assists our prayer. I go and pray. Father, I need to have so and so and so amount to solve these problems over the next six weeks. House rent will be due. I have some money, but it's not going to be enough, especially because, you know, I got a call the other day. My mother was ill, or a cousin was ill, so I had to contribute some money. So that put me under a bit of strain. And admission for two children showed up all of a sudden, and they would do subsidy on education. As an example, we didn't plan for that. Because, you know, sometimes people say you can plan ahead. Now, planning ahead has its own place, so however, you can't plan ahead. I don't know whether I get my point. Say that, look, some people say that. You knew, you knew 12 months ahead that your rent will be due. That is good. If your rent does not change and they don't remove fuel, subsidy. Halfway through. No, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, your salary was this amount. You had put that. Then they remove fuel subsidy halfway through. And when they remove fuel subsidy, other things, you know, food subsidy also went. Transportation, you know what happened now? Suddenly, the stress which you could not have budgeted for is now upon you. And the problem is your employer did not recognize that because he too is complaining. Do you get my point? So even though some of may say that you should have planned ahead, sometimes those plans don't work. And then sometimes as you're planning ahead, you don't want to keep your money under your pillow. So where do you keep it? In the bank. And they go and knock the door one day. They may fail. They say, no, withdraw above 5,000 before DSS grabbed him. You had the money there. They didn't give you. Or it's not even... Central bank rule. 
the bank has shut down. He did not know that they were owing everybody. What do you do now? So planning is good, but don't ever hope in your plans. Just be responsible. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, I believe in that. Yeah, you should be responsible. If your rent is going to be due in 12 months, and this is how much, you know, okay, 5000 aside towards the rent is okay. I don't have a problem with that. But just don't think it will always work. Because there are times you actually have it ready. You want to pay the landlord. And he say, ah, I forgot to tell you, my son is coming back from America. So it dashes you four months free for you to find another house. And you know when you get a new house, it's usually more expensive than the one you are living. That's what Solomon meant when he said that there's a woman whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chains. You know, I explained it that time, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I said, what does it mean? Life has traps. Life has traps. Life has traps. Hey, just by the way, can I small, give you small gist? I was saying something that the Reverend Kana told me at the, at the end. I said, some people say, go land near them, go to the refinery. You understand? They said, any land close to the refinery is useless. Nobody's going to live when they are boiling oil next door. So many people have bought now did not factor in the fact that it is, you are going to be living next to hellfire. Have you gone near where they are, where they are refining things? The heat. And you want your children to wake up in the morning inhaling what you don't know? Some people are feeling bad. But I bought now. I'm just trying to tell you that life has traps. The Lord is good. <laughs> so let's assume that we went to pray. So, I mean, I just want to say that because sometimes you say, you should have planned, you should have planned. Sometimes you planned, but life has what? Traps. Life has traps. If you don't know what I'm talking about more than the word I've said now, you can listen further to that series, Ecclesiastes. When we talk to, uh, go to chapter 7 of the book of Ecclesiastes, series on the website, alright? So I get on my knees, I pray. Lord, this is the, these are the issues I have. This, this sudden change in housing issue, I now need twice the amount of money that I was needing before, of which I had only one third of what I needed before. Lord, see the situation. Two children are now going to school, no subsidy on their education anymore, and I pray about it. Now, what gives me the right to pray? That's number one. Number one, they are legitimate needs. Number two, I have a loving father. He has said that I should bring all my burdens to him. So that's the reason why I came to him to pray. And for that reason, you know, John said, if we ask in accordance with his will, he hears us. Now, if we are sure he hears us, then we know that we have the answers to the things that we have asked of him. So we don't need to hear any voice. I've heard people tell me before that after I finished praying, the Lord said I shouldn't worry. And I'm looking like, excuse me. Wait. Any other thing you were told is of the devil. That God said I shouldn't worry. I'm wondering like, well, eh? If I was the one, I would just come and say, I just discovered I was not supposed to worry. I wonder the Lord said I shouldn't worry because it makes it look like a special conversation. God has never told anybody worry. <laughs> Unless you're a sinner. He said there's no rest for the wicked. So if you are walking in sin, say, I finished praying, God said, no peace for me. Oh. <laughs> well, because he didn't go there to confess your sin. He went to harass him. But if you are a true child of God, he never tells you, don't you know, worry. Don't worry. Fear not. Don't be anxious. It's a constant injunction. It's a constant instruction. You walk by that all the time. It does not require any special communication. I hope you're getting my point. Now, so we know that this is what we have asked. He has heard us because he supplies our needs. Now, what's the next phase after we have gotten an answer from? Now, we know we have an answer, right? True or false? 
We have an answer. So I now get up from there. What is the next thing? One word. What? Prophesying. What is the next thing I do? I start prophesying. Of course, I'm not emphasizing on giving thanks. You give thanks when you finish praying. After that, what do you do? You start prophesying. You start prophesying. You start prophesying. Thus says the Lord. You say, Pastor Mike, which I didn't say thus is the Lord. I didn't say so. I said, except you have a clear word from God. But do you have a clear word from God here? Yes, you do. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That line is good enough. He makes all grace abound towards me. I have all sufficiency in all things and I abound to every good work. Oh, my favorite scripture. Behold, I will make prosperity flow towards you like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. So what do I do? I start prophesying. So my wife says, how far? Money will be due in the next three weeks. So the Lord has answered us. And thus says the Lord, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. I prophesy as commanded. I mean, this is commanded prophecy. Say to the righteous, it shall be well with him. It's a commanded prophecy. You know what I found out from experience? There is nothing you want to... See, what I want to say to be like, it's a bit too big, but it is a fact. There is nothing you can prophesy that's not written in scripture. If there is a word on your mouth that's not in scripture, drop it. It's not the Holy Spirit. You know what I said? Look, the Holy Spirit will not give you anything that he has not written. Do not have heard testimonies. I don't have that personal experience. Of people that the Holy Spirit gave them a word. They didn't even know what's in scripture. Then they told somebody, somebody said, ah, wait, that's Isaiah chapter 58. Now they just, ah, are you sure? He said, ah, I didn't know what's there. He said, it's there. It is there. So if he give you a word, and it's not anywhere in scripture, drop that word. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Spirit of God. The only words you are allowed to prophesy must be one lifted directly from scripture, activated by the Holy Spirit, or two, derived from scripture. That is, you see, scripture is just rewritten. I hope you get my point. That is, maybe the Lord said that um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then you now say that the, thus says the Lord, all my needs are supplied. Do you get my point? It's the same scripture, just written in another way. Anything beyond that, please drop it. What is the prayer-like activity we must get involved in when God has... Now, we now know how God answers us, right? We pray in accordance with his will. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We come in faith. When that has been done, we take the scriptures that speak according to the promise of God for us, and then we start declaring it all the time. If that matter comes up, declare. Strike the word over it. See... Let's read the scripture again. Now, before we read this one, let me remind us. We have solved this riddle here many times, so but I just want to remind us of it. Now, this is the riddle. There was a red sea in front of them, right? Israel. And they needed to cross. And who, what happened? Moses divided the red sea. How did he divide the red sea? He struck it with a... Let's do the way we see in movies. He struck it with a rod. And what happened? The rest divided. And how long did it take the rest to divide? Like 30 minutes, right? We've solved it here before. So some people who don't know. I'm looking at some people, they may not know the answer to this. 
<laughs> 30 minutes, right? One hour, right? It's like zip. Just unzip. You know the way it is in, in, in uh, this movie. Um, Ten Commandments. Just the zip. Just open like zip. Was that what happened? Was that what happened? It took a number of hours. We don't know exactly how many hours. Read your Bible very well. Moses did not just go strike the Red Sea and then go home to be picking his teeth. He stood there watching the Red Sea. He stood there with his rod over the Red Sea. And his left hand got tired, he changed to the right hand. His right hand got tired, he switched over to the left hand. Sometimes he held with both hands. He kept on looking at the Red Sea until it was fully open before he was able to drop his hands. Being a leader like Moses was not easy on the body. If you are a minister of the gospel, listen to this. Jesus used to stay up all night praying. You know what I found out? He prayed for everybody he ministered to. Before he met them, he had prayed for them. I hope you are getting my point. Yes. You know, we released the book, uh, um, Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. As we are releasing it online, you know, it went online last week. And I told people they could check. By Sunday night, it was there. Anyway, after the book was thrown out and sent, uh, it's about to send out the messages that look, you can now download. I tweeted about it and all of that. And I remembered, ah, wait, oh, I had to pray for everybody that would download the book. Yeah, it's, a job, it's my job. Not just write and release. So everyone who will download this material, God, this is what I'm asking for the person. They started reading scriptures, making requests, and asking God, do this for them, do this. Of course, all around the topic of being filled with the Spirit. I don't want to talk about the things we'll pray about concerning that, but that's just the work. So if you're a preacher, <laughs> a koi IQ, you know what that means? Uchechi is getting it right. When I say a koi IQ, there's work. He got it right. Work day. I'm talking about Moses. Moses didn't just go there and say, you know, I'm the leader here. <laughs> right, see, yeah? Begin move. He took that rod, put it like this. Change it here. Held both hands. We know because when Joshua was fighting Amalek, that was exactly what he did. He sat on top of that mountain and he kept the rod up again. That's what is called grace. One hand cannot kill a thousand soldiers lifted up on the mountain. But without that hand being up with the rod in it, Joshua would not succeed in the battlefield. So it happened that anytime Moses dropped his hand, Amalek prevailed. When he lifted his hands with a rod in the hand, what happened? Joshua prevailed. Then Aaron and all saw what was going on. And Oga was tired. So they held both of his hands for him. They made him sit down and they kept the hands lifted. What am I saying? When you start prophesying, you don't stop prophesying until the battle is fully won. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 8, verse 26. For Joshua did not withdraw his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Now, if you go and read it, all he did was to carry that hand and stretch it. He's not talking about being physically in battle. No. What happened was that he took his hand and lifted it up, pointed the javelin in the direction of Ai as his men were fighting. The Bible, if you read that in verse 18, then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward I, 
for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. Now, and then you find in verse 26, okay, let's just read down from verse 24. Now, when Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field in the wilderness where they had pursued them, and all of them were fallen by the edge of the sword until they were destroyed, then all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. All who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. Why? For Joshua did not withdraw his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. That's a sign of what we do with prophetic words. Let's go back to the issue of the money we prayed for, needs in the house. The Bible says that God has heard us. John said it to us, First John chapter, uh, uh, chapter 5. If we ask according to his will, he hears us. Well, we know he has heard. Then what do we now do? We just carry scriptures and start declaring. If they come and say, admission closes in two weeks' time, all fees must be paid by then. There's no money now. What do I do? Hey, God, oh, I know that, uh, you know, you can never feel. Hey, God, say, hey, why are you talking to me? I don't know whether you get the point. What did God, does God say? Moses, why are you still talking to me? Stretch forth your hand over this difficulty. What many of us do, not realizing that it's not right, is I will go to God again and say, God, oh, he will not let me see shame. Not let me see shame. Oh, God, oh. It's not to. So God looks and says, why are we still having a conversation on this matter? I thought you asked me about this day before yesterday. I said, yes, I did. What did John say about it? He said, you heard. And if I know you heard, say this is the confidence we have, we have towards you. If we ask in accordance with your will, you hear us. So I've heard. So what did Moses say? He said, now lift up the rod and divide the difficulty. Now lift up your rod and face the thing and stop facing me. So when they bring it, they bring the news to your ears again. Then you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. It's simple. They bring it again. You say it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Now listen to me. You don't have to have 20 different scriptures. One is good enough. Just keep it lifted. You wake up in the morning. Of course, the matter comes up to your mind again. Father, I thank you because you are good. Now I declare over the situation. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Another thing I've enjoyed lifting up like that is the name of the Lord. <laughs> Do that also. I will admonish that. You declare his promise, you lift up his name. What you do is that you reduce the situation and exalt the Lord. He said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's not prayer. That's a prayer-like activity, an aid to prayer. What do I mean? You look at the situation because in prayer, who are you looking at? Who are you looking at in prayer? When you are prophesying, you don't prophesy to God. When you are prophesying, your back is now towards God. That is, you are taking his word over the situation. So when you say, magnify the Lord with me, we are looking at the situation. One I find so beautiful. He said, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. You know, in my Bible, I don't have time to look at it now. I have, I don't know how many. Definitely scores and scores and scores. Definitely maybe, I don't know, it could be hundreds. Anytime I see the name of the Lord magnified, 
I underline it. Thank God for smart Bibles. There are many things I've underlined in my life. They are gone. Because the Bible is missing. The Bible is old. The Bible is torn. But ever since I discovered smart Bibles, everything, every note I've taken, sometimes I'm reading my own, I'm reading the Bible, and ah, I've read this portion before. I read through and I opened the note I wrote. See Revelation. And the Holy Spirit was not planning to speak again. Say, I spoke before. I said, it happened to me yes, I was reading Isaiah chapter 41. I said, ah, ah. So I've read this portion before. And I understood this thing then. I, good enough, I wrote it down. So what I do these days, I just go through my Bible. Anytime I'm reading, if you go to my Bible, you'll see I have a particular way on the line because my Bible, the Bible app I use, allows you to form your own coloring method. Yes, your own color. You can write your note. You can form your own underlining method. You can shade it. You can underline it. You select the color. So I select different colors. So there's a particular color that is underlined the name of God, which I won't tell you. And any time I want to look at it, there's a place I just go, click on this, and click it. Ah! I'm looking at it right here. <laughs> its title is Excellency. That's the name I give that code. Whoa! Oh, no, it's hundreds. Whoa! Wow! It's all over the place. Names of God. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts. That's the name. Did you notice that? I just picked that at random. Where did I get that from? Bible student. Second Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul said, blessed be God. I said, wow, that's the name. Blessed be, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. That's the name. You can lift that name up over a situation. Oh, it's all over. Look, I have them here in hundreds. Literally. If I just randomly do like this, just put it, bam, and that will pop. Uh, this one is a very interesting one. He said, the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. I just put that at random. He said, what for somebody? Don't put your hope in any other thing. God is jealous. You know what that means? Let me tell you what jealous husbands do. They shoot rivals. They kill somebody. Don't let God kill that thing. Some of you, the hope is in the account. Money you packed inside there. The jealous God is collapsing that bank. Only because of one person, you. What am I saying? Let's lift up the name of God over situations. The Lord is my shepherd is a name. You hear that? What did I say? The Lord is my shepherd is the name. One of my favorites. That we do that a lot in my house. If I, if you call any of these children, these two boys at the back there, flawlessly they give it to you. The one we quote here a lot of times. Jeremiah chapter 10 from verse 6. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great. And great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O king of the nations? Indeed is your due. For among all the wise leaders of the nation and all their kingdoms, there is none like you. It's long. It's 10 verses or 11 verses. Yes. You lift up the name of God over every situation. The Lord is a true God. He's a living God, the everlasting king. When he's angry, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. He said, thus you shall say to them, the gods that did not make the heaven and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. But the Lord made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Look, I'm telling you, you see, don't talk to God all the time. When you finish talking with him, talk to the situation. So we are praying about the illness. We are praying about the affliction. Time to lift up the name of God over it all the time and the promise of God. That one, the name of God today is, is clear. 
I'm the Lord that he led thee. The prince taught me that. Listen to his message. He said, literal Hebrew says, I'm the Lord, your doctor. Himself took my infirmities and my diseases. By his stripes, I have been healed. You can say that confidently. Thus says the Lord to this sickness. By the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. How long do you say that? Until the victory is fully manifested. Until the battle is tangibly, physically won. You don't, look, it's not, I have, no, no, no. There's not, I've said it, I've said, no. Joshua did not withdraw his hand with which he stretched for that javelin towards I. That's the principle there. Until all the enemies are totally vanquished. I hope you're getting my point. What are we talking about? That's how we prophesy. That's the job of prophesying. Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded. Please, don't make your prophesying hard. Just find the scriptures that apply. You are you be begging God for uplifting in an area. You've asked him for it. You've seen scriptures. You give thanks for it. You believe he has answered you. Then you turn around. Not from the east. Not from the west. Not from the south comes exaltation. But God is judge. He brings down one and lifts up another. That, but that one is the name of God. That's the name of God. You know, I was reading my Bible the other day. Isaiah chapter 41. Let's read this one. And they are close. Isaiah chapter 41. I think prophesying comes immediately after prayer. What did I say? That's it. There's a promise I read from Isaiah chapter 41, which I believe is for somebody here this evening. I was reading these scriptures, and I realized that this was talking to the church of God. Now, somebody here, you're supposed to hear this, so pay attention to it. Thus says the Lord, do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look around you, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now listen to this carefully. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Amen. See, please, eh, I'd like us to say amen, but I think somebody is listening to this. So let's, you can say amen, please. Go ahead, say amen. But tone it down. I don't want it to be loud. I hope, I hope you get my point. Because the person that's supposed to hear it must hear it well. He said, Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel with you but we not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent. He said, for I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand. Who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. He said, do not fear, you little, you feel like a little worm, Jacob. Do not fear, you men of Israel. I will help you, declares the Lord. Declares the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. That word is for somebody. Give a lot of thanks for those words. Say, Lord, thank you. I just read from Isaiah chapter 41, from verse 10 to verse 14. 
That's Isaiah chapter 41 from 10 to 14. Somebody needed to hear that. This word has been boiling in my heart for you for the last two days. For the last two days, these words have been burning in my heart for you. The Lord wants you to hear it. He said, all those who are angered at you, all those who are angry with you, are the ones that will be put to shame. They are the ones that will disappear. You will not disappear. He said, they are the ones that will disappear. Those who are plotting. He said, if they gather, and I'm not the one that gathered them, they will scatter. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. He said, your enemies will be confused and humiliated. Oh God, listen to this. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. That's verse 11 in New Living Translation. Give the Lord thanks for that. That word is for somebody. And look, something, the thing that's been bothering you for a long time. When I say long, they're not like years, but over the last few weeks maybe. But this is God's word for you. You've been praying. God said, now begin to prophesy these words. Begin to prophesy these words. Begin to prophesy this word. He said, I will help you. Do you get my point? God said, I will help you. God says, I will help you. God said, I will help you. Begin to prophesy those words. Though. Don't let it go until the situation is totally resolved. It's simple. Like I said, prophesying is not, don't look for some words out of somewhere. Just take your Bible, put it on your lips. For you that I'm speaking to, there's somebody specifically, I don't know who you are, but a few people might tap into it. But there is somebody specifically this word is for. Take these words and don't, look, in the morning, utter them. Noon, utter them. You are going to bed at night, utter these words. Every time the situation comes to you, just go and memorize. It's not hard to memorize. It's not hard to memorize. If you read this thing 10, 20 times, it will become part of you. And you make it your song. You make it your song. You make it your song.